This is Two Minutes About Time with Luke Allen and Robert E. G. Black, the podcast that takes a look at the film About Time, two minutes at a time. I'm Richard Curtis, and I hope you enjoy it. And if you don't, well, you can just travel back in time two minutes and listen to something else. I'm one of your hosts, Luke Allen. I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Robert E. G. Black. Hello, hello. And with our special guest for this week, Andy. Hello. So, Andy... Could you introduce yourself to our listeners who might may or may not know who you are? Sure. So I was a co-host of a podcast called The Greatest Waste of Time with Greg Austin, who is an actor. And now I do magic and mentalism and kind of mind reading online and live. And I write books and do all that fun stuff. I, I, I can say I admittedly haven't seen as much of your magic stuff from what I've seen I, I like. Because I, I feel like, yeah, as you said before recording, the fact that you sort of dropped off the radar for a bit, it was just like, oh, suddenly Andy's doing magic. <laughs> well, I know you talked about it on the podcast, but it was like... Yes. It was just like, you. I think it's just because time flies so quickly, it was like you were talking about how you, you wanted to do a book, but you weren't quite sure what about, and then next thing I know, it's like, here's my book. And it's yeah. like, have I just fallen asleep and like, missed a year? Or? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I've been doing magic for far longer than I'd like to admit since I was a, since I was a kid. And, uh, yeah, I think this kind of whole lockdown thing that's happening as we're recording just kind of gave me a push. And I was just like, I'm going to use all this time just to throw all of my energy into something that I love. So I wrote a show and I did an online show for a while, completely wrote and self-published a book. And yeah, it's just, it's kind of been all go the last couple months. Which I imagine is, is roughly similar to what I've decided to do with this show, although obviously very different with going, we've got free time. Better do it now than ever. Exactly. And uh, although it does mean that the script writing I've been planning on doing for months has just been on hold because sure, it's just like I'd, I, it's easier to edit a podcast than actually think of stuff to write. So yeah, no, <laughs> for sure, yeah. And something's got to take a back seat. You know, you may as well throw all of your energy into one project that you know you can just get done in that time. So yeah, because I could write a script and then not be able to do anything with it for months. So there's no yeah. deadline. So it just exactly. Um, so what was your first experience with the film About Time? I watched it when it first came out, and I remember really liking it, because I have a crush on Rachel McAdam, and then <laughs> I didn't watch it again, and it was always something I saw, I think it popped up on Netflix for a while, and I was just like, oh, that's that film I really like. And I used to work in a, I used to work in a DVD shop, so I always saw it come in, and I was like, I need to sit down and watch it again. Um, so I, I literally sat down today and watched it again. And uh, it's, it's as good as I remember it being. I so, what is your um, what's your favourite of the of the Rachel McAdams time travel films? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, my my favourite Rachel McAdams film is The Notebook. I hate to say, it's uh, I think that's a, a great film. It's still on it's, my desk, and I need to watch it. I, it's, it's fantastic. Really it's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great story. But I don't know. There's something about her. There's something about her that just draws me draws me along. So, yeah, so today we're looking at, what, what minutes are we? Today we're looking at minutes 96 and 97 for this Monday yeah, episode, yeah. which I mean, we've given you some sad minutes this week. You yeah. have, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It's, uh, it was, I, I watched the clips you sent and I was just like, they've dropped me in at the deep end here. Cause I've got to come up with like, oh, there's so much to unpack in these, in these minutes. So I'm very excited to get into it. It's, uh, yeah great selection i'm very lucky to have these so we open with the mum i mean we could call her mary but it'll get complicated the mum hello darling 
Tim says, Mum, how Before are you? Before we get to yep. the mum, okay. can yep. I insert something? Sure. Because I, I, I think it matters that Kit Kat rings the doorbell. Mm. Because she is generally the impulsive one. She marches right up to that door, very determined, already upset, and rings the doorbell. Yeah. Like it's, 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 it, it's a weird moment because it feels partly wrong, but also somewhat right because she's been living in London and maybe doesn't feel like she belongs here anymore. Yeah, she's definitely taking charge in that moment yeah. of everyone walking up to the house to kind of mm-hmm. confront the situation they know is is coming. And yeah, she does. And then that's, a, that's a good point. Mum opens the door and she just runs right past her to go to dinner. I love yeah. that. And I, I love the fact more that no one like questions anything about it. I think that's what's always so much better. Nope. She runs in and the mum's completely fine. She she knows that's Kit Kat and she knows it's a tough time. And the way that she talks here, Lindsay Duncan... That, this whole line, it just breaks me, really, because you got the, Mum, how are you? Honestly, why not? I am, and she says a word that we, we tend to bleep out on the show, followed by fur- furious. I'm so uninterested in a life without your father. Mary, come in, let's make some tea. And the way, I, I, it's just the fact that she's trying to keep a straight face whilst you can tell mm-hmm. really mm. suffering makes it worse than if she answered the door just bawling. Yeah. Generally speaking, I always dislike it when people say they're furious. Because Why? most people, when they say it, are not obviously furious, but here I believe it. Yeah, sure. She sells that in, she's holding it in, but yeah, she's. Furious. We've seen her so calm that mm-hmm. the way that she, I mean, we talked before about like the bad language in the film and stuff. Yeah. And Richard Curtis is always good at his placement in it, so it doesn't feel too much. This is possibly the best delivery of the F word in all of cinema, and I will stand by that. <laughs> I think it's I think it's perfectly contextual. It shows how annoyed she is as a character. It doesn't feel out of place. Mm. I the, the one use of strong language I put in my film Unstable, I was like, I need it to be as powerful as Lindsay Duncan in About Time, which I mean, it probably wasn't, but it definitely. <laughs> um, it's a good target. I really yes. like the line. Uh, I really, really like the line. I'm uninterested in a life without your father. Because it's so, uh, it's not filled with that furiosity that she's saying she has. It's she's not acknowledged like, that it's gonna happen as well. Yeah, yeah, and right. she's not like, I'm, she's not saying, I'm distraught, she's not saying, I'm upset he's going, she's just saying, I just don't want, I, I don't desire a life without him, which I just found so, like, poignant and so hard hitting, more than her just being overly upset or overly angry. She was just like, I just don't, I'm just uninterested in it. I just don't want that to be a thing. I'm not a, I'm not, do you know what I mean? I'm not yeah. a, it, I just, I found it a, a, such a great line. It was fantastic. It's, it's like the dad's line early on about how he wouldn't lie to someone he's really fond of. Mm. By taking the emotion out of the statement, it makes it more emotional. Exactly, mm. yeah. Well, he, he, even like when he says, when, when Tim first leaves and he says, don't call too often, your mother doesn't like to be disturbed. Mm-hmm. There's something so <laughs> sweet about that yeah. because it, it encapsulates their relationship so beautifully. And watching the film now, like for the show, the like Bill Nye is in it a lot less than I thought he was. Yeah, yeah. Because we're so invested in the relationship that you don't need more of him. And I think it's uh, we get into it more the other minutes. But the scenes inside the house, in the study, and in the table tennis room, that was mm. two days of shooting, and that was it. Wow, that's surprising. I find I find that his uh, the small amount of time that. Tim and his dad have together is so, at least from my experience, a very kind of real relationship between a father and a son. It isn't, uh, it isn't like you would normally see in a Hollywood movie. 
it's just a, a dad with his kid just having a mm. laugh and spending time with each other and not trying to be too scripted. The dialogue is is very, very simple and they just kind of joke around with it. And that's kind of what makes it so beautiful. The The few scenes they have together are just so real and relatable, I guess. Mm. And uh, Bill yeah. Nye said when he was asked to do the film, he said, I'll be in it as long as I don't have to act. He said, I want to play it <laughs> as I would in this mm. situation. And I think we can definitely yeah. get that. It feels so raw. And back to the shot we have of, of Lindsay at the door. They didn't even shoot a reverse of that shot. Like, they were so certain that, that Lindsay would be able to deliver that line that, yeah, mm. I think, thank goodness she did. <laughs> if anyone yeah. could, yeah. she could. Yeah. It, it makes the shot nicer, too, that we linger. She walks off with Mary, and then Tim slowly enters. And it takes time. Yeah, yeah, it does definitely mirror the whole... Uh, whereas Kit Kat is the very kind of obviously passionate one and obviously just kind of wants yeah. to get in and see her dad. Tim is very kind of somber and very like, you know, the family man, just kind of like, oh, my dad's going. And it does mirror that in the entering the scene that Tim yeah. kind of comes in at the last minute, just kind of slowly definitely mirrors his kind of relationship with the family. Whereas it Kit could Kat's even be mirrors hers as well. Could even be foreshadowing, really, that he's the last to say goodbye to his dad. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It also ties in with things we've been talking about with the Kit Kat car accident thing the last few weeks where mm. Tim's learning to look at everyone. Like he walks in slowly and then he notices Desmond. Sure. Yeah. And goes to talk to him. He's, he's starting to take care of more people. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, she says, Mary, come on, let's make some tea. And then we just get, we just take glimpses of, okay, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine. Did you eat? Yeah, of course. Then we have Tim going to see Desmond. I will say, First, Robert, if I get any of the lines and who says them wrong, it's because your transcript hasn't updated yet, so I'm just guessing who says each line. Um, but oh, so you're actually missing my note on those last two lines then, which I don't know who says them. Mary and Mary sound so much alike that I don't know who says, did you eat, and who says, yes, of course. <laughs> but I'm like, it doesn't matter. One, Either yeah. one, it works. Yeah. If they're concerned. <laughs> yeah, it's too quiet on my computer anyway for me to check, but yeah, it's... Uh, I, I, I said it's not really significant enough anyway, the fact that it sort of blends off. And then when we, when we have Tim off to see Uncle Desmond. And his jumper blends in again. Paintings and ceramics. Mm. I love Desmond as a character in this film. I think he might, he might actually be one of my favourite characters in this film. Mm, uh, we've said this, he, yeah. Yeah, he's very, very, uh, very kind of, and especially in this scene as well. Like, I don't want to yes. jump ahead uh, onto what you're, what kind of speed you want to go through it, but him having that kind of the memory of the wedding and what what the dad said about him at the wedding, whereas up to this point he hasn't really been able to remember anything or even who people are, and that this is the one time in the film that he kind of remembers something, and it's the fact that his mm-hmm. dad spoke about him. Yeah, that had never even like hit me as a thing. But yeah, of course it's yeah, yeah. and I, I this is such a beautiful scene with Desmond. I think. I was doing a re-edit of About Time a couple of weeks ago, wherein I took the film and edited out everything that had been removed back in time so we could see what the film would have been like without that. And Ooh. I didn't watch the film properly while I was doing it, because I thought it might ruin it if I paid so much attention. It was sort of rough editing around stuff. But even just hearing glimpses of this, I was in tears. It's just... Oh. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, we've got Desmond, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. Though a little hot. Your father, I think, is not so well cancer tim says yes i'm very unhappy about it tim and actually i think it's worth saying that 
this is technically the first time we've actually explicitly heard about this because like he no, no one specific no one ever says the line your dad's gonna die like he, he mm. gets a phone call he's concerned mum's furious and uninterested in a life without a father and then we get so I like the fact that it's not we're not following Tim finding out these things. We're just mm. getting given the clues to find out ourselves. It's the best example of show not tell really that I can think of. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, I like how similarly kind of disinterested Desmond was about um yeah. or impassionate he was about life without without the dad, do you know what I mean? It was it wasn't a yeah, it was just a, I'm not very happy about it, <laughs> which is a very kind of blasé way to, to go about expressing your feelings about the situation. And I really enjoyed that. I thought that was, again, a very kind of realistic. I like to think that I would be on a similar, similar thing if something dreadful happens. I like to kind of just be like, wait, it's not great. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm I can, overly, I can bawl my eyes this, out but... at a film. Like yeah. if something's sad in a film, I bawl my eyes. If, if, if someone, like a relative or a pet dies, I can't cry. Like, sure. I think I think when things are worse, sometimes you can't comprehend it enough to actually have that emotional response that you have through film. So, so at least to me, it seems to hit me harder the fact that he isn't in tears yeah. or anything like that. The fact that, is. as I said, they're trying to be strong and he hasn't quite comprehended it yet. And I think we always forget mm. as well with Desmond that he's. He's not James's brother, he's Mary's m- brother. So it's like, mm. yeah. you know, they've, they're not relatives by blood either. They've just become no. good, good friends. And I think it's great that we don't see much of the relationship between James and Desmond, but. Yeah. And you can tell that it's so strong from what James says at the wedding and from this being yeah. the only thing that Desmond can remember is what James said at the wedding about him being one of the only three males he's ever loved. And then this is the one thing that Desmond actually remembers, and I just, I love that. I think that really shows how close they were without explicitly saying that they were, you know, best friends or, you know, brothers, quote-unquote brothers. But yeah, I, I really, really liked how how that was uh, shown through Desmond. So um, before we slide our way into um, Minute 97, we like on Mondays... I didn't send this to you because it was a recent idea that was given to us a couple oh, of weeks by by Callum, actually. Where he said, why don't we look at a bad review each Monday? Oh, um, fantastic. So Let's I'm just it. trying to find one, because I, I looked at it. These reviews are read for comic purposes and other views of the reviewer, not the podcast host. The reviewer's name is removed to avoid any unnecessary hate or spamming. And now, on with the show. Uh, one and a half stars. So this is actually one of the, the higher ones. Oh, that's no, quite a short one. I should have found it one beforehand, but haven't. Robert has struggled to find any from critics that seem to be critically quite I, I found some that had negative things to say, but overall their reviews were so long and, like, wasn't worth spending time on the whole thing. Right. Maybe a short one's better then. We can pick it apart a bit more. Yeah, yeah I'm just trying to find a good one. We'll cut this all out and it'll sound seamless and wonderful. <laughs> but most of the reviews on here are, are good. Because I'm just looking on Letterboxd. Okay, here's a short one, one and a half stars. The poster references Notting Hill. That's good. Rachel McAdams is on the cover. She can be pretty good. Then I see Bill, Bill Nye is in it. Oh, good. Enough for me. Let's give it a spin. It is a mess of a film. The romance part is nice enough, and Donald Gleeson turns out to be quite excellent as a leading man. But the main conceit of the film, the time-travelling business, turns out to be of little consequence to anything in the film. 
It is there to act as the writer's so? wastebasket. Don't like that scene. Do it again and again until you get it right. Boring. Skip this one. This is one of the nicer reviews still. But... Yeah, and that doesn't even make that doesn't make sense. I mean, what's the point in time travel in a rom com movie if it's not to be a Groundhog Day situation? To redo things. And yeah. the end message of the film is that the time travel, the time travel doesn't, matter. doesn't matter and shouldn't be of consequence. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. Here's another short one. Half a star. I, fe- I feel like they enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. So well, I feel like they totally got the point of the film. Yeah. <laughs> um. So before we go to one other point, half a star. Very short one. About time is what I said when it was finally over. Oh no! <laughs> oh, oh, savage! I uh, I don't I don't get it. I don't I don't understand why it's oh, got bad reviews. Sorry. Finally, I found a good review of the right length. So we'll do a couple today. Okay. Um, yeah. It'll be Wait. bad enough that this movie is built around a misogynist trope. Winning women through persistence and manipulation, whether you include the element of time travel or not, is gross. Well, right at the start of the film. He tries to win Margot Robbie over, and he says, all the time travel in the world can't make someone love you, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. then Rachel McAdams falls in love with him without time travel. He only uses time yeah. travel to then get back what happens. So I think Richard Curtis escapes it quite well, to be honest. It's none of the rom-com if she says no, keep asking her over and over again until she says yes. It's the she well, said yes. I don't think yes. the average audience member thinks of it that way, though. Mm. Maybe. I, I, this is a this is a fair complaint. If you've seen mm. it once, but I think the movie does deal well enough with it if you pay attention. Yeah, I was watching it with uh, my fiance Abby, and she said the same thing. She said, "Oh, he seems Tim seems a little bit desperate going back and trying to yeah. win her." And I'm like, "Yeah, but he won her anyway. He won her right, to begin happens. with. Like he just wanted to go and help his his <laughs> his friend out as well. Yeah, and he didn't that, want and then to, undo had to go back and fix it. How, yeah, he's such a nice guy that he didn't want to undo helping Harry's play. Hmm. He just wanted to do something right. else first, which I think was great. So he says, when you do, you're also introducing a violation of consent element as well. He says it poorly mm. attempts to cover its own ass here, saying that you can't even use time travel to convince someone to love it. Okay, they've they've got, they've, they've got the, then proceeds to do that, of course. Well, no, it doesn't. Uh, yeah. then have the person who originally mm-hmm. taught him the lesson double back into his life and be DTF because duh. Yet somehow, <laughs> I was most annoyed by how much like a bank commercial this film is. Every emotional moment, trademark, is so phony and well-trod that I couldn't help but think of Sarah Haskins' eviscerating line from her target women about yoga ads. It's substitute for human experience good. If you get in your feelings for this movie, I have a mortgage or a long-term loan you might be interested in. One out of fifteen. We'll see if this really if this actually happens. He says about his script. So I mean, I don't know. I yeah, can I can't agree it, with but... much about that. To be fair, I cannot agree with much about it at all. And then someone commented, "I can't help myself. I love this movie. How long-term is the loan, and what kind of interest rate are we talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> Good. I don't think that the emotional moments are. Whatever they said, I think that it's incredibly real, the dialogue between the characters. I think that makes it even harder hitting when stuff does happen and when emotional moments do happen. I, I, yeah, I cannot agree with anything in that review at all, I don't think. I, I understand that review, mm, but I sure. don't agree with it. Yes, yeah. Because yeah. the, the average filmgoer wants characters to be labeled yeah. and defined and dot, like outright mm-hmm. explicitly. And they want emotional moments to feel big, and this movie does both of those things in the opposite direction. The characterization is subtle, and you have to mm. want to care about the character to get to know them. And the emotional moments, like this whole minute, are downplayed, mm. because 
if we're not already feeling it, it's not going to matter if they start overacting. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's a good point. So I guess we can slide straight into 97, unless you've got any concluding comments on 96. 96 is wrapped up in a horribly sad package for me, because Kit Kat rings the doorbell, the mother's furious, and then Desmond is unhappy. Mm. It's... I would like to move on to 96. Is it, 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 it's still um, Spigel and Spigel, right, at this point? Or is it still... Yes. Yeah. No, it's still there until the father and son sit down. It's so beautiful and mm. sad. <laughs> I love Spigel. I listened to it the other day. I, I just had all my music on shuffle. And normally I skip Spigel and Spigel because it's nine minutes and it's just melancholy. But I listened to it all mm, the way yeah. through and... Oh, yeah. Even just the association with this film and every other film that uses it for its emotional moments it's mm. just yeah so desmond continues in 97 to say at your wedding he said he loved me tim says he does i know that was the best day of my life so this is probably the worst oh, oh. <laughs> even reading oh, it desmond. Like, i'm feeling myself tearing up it's just yeah oh. yeah and this is this is again like mirroring you know minute 96 in that it's such obviously such a an important thing for desmond to have heard and it's, yeah. uh, you know, that he's remembering it, you know, amongst his, his memory And it loss. means nothing to us when we first hear it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> the importance when we first hear it is on him loving Tim. I think it's it's well written that we can remember that he said it, but we don't feel like we had to. Yeah. So, yeah, and then Tim goes in to see his dad, and he says, oh, not, for you, not you too. What? Well, Kit Kat's just rolled up, blubbering her eyes out, and now you're here. What's mum been saying? The truth? Yeah, well, apart from that, I, I, yeah, I, I, love I do that. love how calm and relaxed he is here. Once again, another thing. I feel like if people hear me keep talking about stuff I nicked for my own film, then they're not going to want to watch my own film. <laughs> but there's, they, I've got an entire subplot in Unstable about his dad dying, and that that was just straight up from About Time. <laughs> I told I told the actors while we were on the set, I was like, "Have you seen About Time? Play it like that." <laughs> I think only one of them had seen it, and um. So when he played the mum, and I think she did it. Actually, yeah, I could see Lindsay Duncan in her performance. I mean, Robert, I assume you've only seen it once, but that was... Uh, yeah. I don't, know, I don't know whether that was... So I've specifically got a note as well for this scene, which is just to talk about the jumpers, because we haven't talked about them for a while. And every mm-hmm. scene, according to uh, Bob Geldof, who told Richard Curtis this, it's the only film he's seen where everyone seems to wear a jumper or a cardigan in every scene. So and good. They're very good in this scene. It's a good jumper cardigan choices. I can't. You're gonna have to. Uh, you're gonna have to remind me what they look like. I don't have them in front of me, and I didn't take note. Well, Describe Donald them. Donald just has a standard dark cardigan yeah. with a shirt underneath, yeah. and Donald's got quite a nice shade of blue jumper. Nice. Um, and it's just which, which in the in the drawing room with Desmond, he matched stuff a bunch of stuff in the background, mm. which this movie does a bunch with his outfits. Yeah. In the in the book. In the in this room, it wasn't until now that I noticed the bookshelves have a blue background because his sweater kind of drove my eye to those. I would I had to go back and double check. I'm like, did they change the bookshelves? And no, they didn't. They were blue before. We finally didn't see the. So he's wearing a blue sweater. We finally see the yeah, fireplace, though, Robert. Yeah, because yeah, we were looking at different angle. pictures of the house and trying to figure out like because we hadn't recognized the fireplace. Was it uh, was it all shot inside that house? Uh, I believe All so. of the house scenes were shot in the house. Yeah. Nice. So except, there weren't any maybe external the, sets. except maybe the table tennis. I still haven't figured out where that room would be. Right. But it might be in the guest house. Sure. Yeah. Can't find any That's interior cool. photos of that. 
So, yeah, he sees the dad. The truth, well, apart from that, and then we cut ahead and he says, it may have been the smoking, but I couldn't undo that as it was before you were all born. Anyway, your mother definitely wouldn't have gone out with me if I hadn't been such a sexy smoker. (laughs) I love this. I love this so much. Mm. It's so good because, like, it's such a... It's such a conversation. Dry British humour. Yeah. And he's obviously using it to try and cover such a horrible situation that he's talking to his son about. And I just, I loved that, that like, these, these kind of small little quips, these small little kind of witty remarks that Bill Nye, well, or that is put into Bill Nye's dialogue. And it's just like, uh, it just, it's so good. Like, Sexy Smoker, it, it got me laugh. It got me giggling in a time where I was, I was on the verge of tears. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate that. It's it a funny joke. So, Robert, behind Tim, we get a better look at the book. Have you managed to spot anything this time round? I didn't look at the specific books, but I would note that the stacks of books that aren't on the shelves are all straight. Like, the father's getting his stuff in order. Oh, It's a nice visual change. <laughs> yeah, and he says, I did get diagnosed as soon as possible, and that's where yeah. 97 ends. Oh, mm. I can't believe we're already this far into the film. <laughs> oh. I just want to. I want to get your thoughts on the the Desmond line before he goes and sees his dad. Quick, I, we skipped over it, but I think it's just. I think it's super important. It's where he says uh, that that was the best day of his life, but this is the worst. And for yeah. for that for that to be the worst day of Desmond's life is so like it. That hit me. I think the most out of the the Desmond story arc. That being there with him as he's telling his his family, the rest of his family, that you know he's gonna die. Like being around that, being the worst day of his life. Like, yeah. and as you said, they're not even blood related. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, it, it was just so. It really drove home that point of them being just brothers in the best sense of the word. Do you know what I mean? Although we. You know, see Desmond in a in a sort of comic way with him, not noticing all these different things about life. He is always so happy about how he is. Yep. Mm. He he is so content with everything about his life. Yeah. In in a way, he, Desmond isn't a time traveler because he's not a blood relative of James, but he's mm. got the final message of the film that he's just appreciating everything as it goes along. Yeah. He's not putting too much stress or worry into anything, and the little things he appreciates. One of the main things to appreciate and is now going away, and it's just yeah, yeah. oh exactly yeah. yeah yeah he doesn't have the luxury of being able to go and and visit visit uh, James again. Do you know what I mean? Once he's gone, no. so he's really living living the life that we all live. He's going through it like we would go through it, and yeah, it's just heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. It's yeah, it's devastating. <laughs> so, have we uh, any other comments on ninety six and ninety seven before we wrap up this Monday? I think these are like my favourite minutes of the film, for sure. I think they're, they're definitely, I, you know what, I, I like, just going slightly off tangent from about time. I've been, I've been watching a lot of stuff recently about, <laughs> this is gonna sound very depressing, but about dads dying. I just watched Afterlife season two, I don't know if you've oh, seen that. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, spoilers. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Put a thing in there for sure. Yeah. Well, watch um, it now. Well, I guess, <laughs> I guess, I mean, he is dying throughout the whole series, really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's yeah. going to come. You know, it's coming. Like, yeah. And, uh, I can't remember what else I watched, but there was something else where dad Zo- died. Did Zoe's extra- extraordinary playlist is like that. 
the whole the season is set up her father's dying. Right. Season finale, he dies. Yeah. It's not exactly, a spoiler, yeah. it's expected. It's yeah, exactly. But I think like, the expectation I, I just, makes I... things worse. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah, it does, because you just know it's coming. You just know it's coming and there's that emotional build up where you're like, How are they gonna they gonna show this? Do you know what I mean? How are they gonna have directed it and filmed it? And so when it happens, it's just this huge emotional release and you're just like, bloody hell, I've waited however many uh episodes for this to happen. But this was this was another thing, like it from a from a personal standpoint, it's something that I know that I'm going to have to come to terms with at some point. And I've only recently really kind of wrapped my head around it that there is going to be a day where that happens to me and I have to deal with it. So being able to see all these TV shows and movies where this is happening to people and seeing how they're dealing with it is kind of therapeutic for me. It's kind of like, okay, cool. This is maybe I should ask my dad this before he goes. Maybe I should say this to him. Maybe I should live every day like it's our last together because I don't have the luxury of going back in time. So yeah, it's, it's been a really good, like, very quick learning curve for me about how I should treat my relationship with my dad, seeing so many dads die in, in TV shows and movies. So yeah, I, I took that away, especially from these this kind of, the minutes that you've given me, you know, having Tim approach his dad and do all of that and be told the lessons which we're going to get into. Yeah, it's definitely, I've taken a lot away from it personally in my own personal life for sure i can't figure out what it is but i do think there's something a lot more emotional about father-child relationships to mother-child relationships in films Mm -hmm. i think maybe and this is probably just this this, i mean this is obviously not i'm not looking at my own position here because both of my parents are incredible but i think Mm -hmm. maybe there's often less expected of the father Traditionally, yeah, yeah. The, especially emotionally, yeah. So mm-hmm. that when you see these films where there is that great father-child relationship, it sort of hits you personally. Like I don't know if either yeah. of you have seen um, Fathers and Daughters with Russell Crowe and Amanda Seyfried. No, um, I only watched it recently. I can't actually remember whether he dies at the end. I think he does, but it's all it's it's weird because it's like her as a kid and her as an adult, and it's like two stories being told at the same time. It works, but it's very hard mm. to explain. And the initial father-daughter relationship in that, like, even just how beautiful it was had me in tears at the start. I think I'm realising this. The films that I've... I've said this before. The films I watched at the start of lockdown, everything managed to make me cry. And I think that was just because, like, I was just... There's an emotional time for everyone. Yeah. Yes. I was coming to terms with the fact that I probably won't see half of my school friends again and, and only yeah, have, like, ten minutes to say goodbye to them. So that's still... Yeah, very sad, yeah. But, yeah. And, that, so I think, and this... uh this 96, 97 minute as well is, is, I think, or at least the film as a whole, About Time as a whole, is definitely how I would want to father my kids. Not just the relationship I want to have with yeah. my dad, but how I want to have a relationship with my kids. Like, what do I teach them growing up? Do you know what I mean? It terrifies me having children. But I think James and Tim have such a, as I said, realistic relationship with those funny moments, but also being able to address serious problems and emotional heartbreak very openly, but adulty and do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like very, very grown yeah. up, normal conversations, but still not fearing the emotional side of everything. And that's what I want to have with my kids. I want to be very, very open with them, but I also want to be able to like laugh about it if something tragic happens. 
Like, I just want to be yeah. like, oh, make a joke at, you know, someone's funeral or something, just to be like, just to try and laugh my way through uh, a bad situation. But Because, yeah, to me, bad situations better to make fun of than good ones because they yeah. they need yeah they need that taboo taken out of them yeah 100 um, percent. but yeah so andy where can yes. listeners find you on social media at andy hayden j a-n-d-y h-a-y-d-n-j-a-y on instagram you can also find everything i'm doing at tinystupidmortals.co.uk which is my magic <laughs> website and robert where can listeners find you Robert E.G. Black on social media or lemmingdrops.com. The listeners can find me on Twitter at, at llama underscore bottle zero. They can find me on Instagram at the Ginger Luke, on Facebook at Luke Allen Film. All podcasts, radio appearances, newspaper articles, short films, anything I'm remotely involved in is probably at lukeallen.co.uk. And this show's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Two Mins About Time. They can also join our Facebook group, The Cupboard, to discuss all things about time and have any other tangents there. I forgot to Google interesting ways to say goodbye. We tend to each end each episode with an interesting way to say goodbye. That's so, cool. Andy, do you do you know of any odd or random or interesting goodbyes? Oh my gosh, you are putting me on the spot. <laughs> Can I say no? Because <laughs> I don't know any other way of saying goodbye other than goodbye. <laughs> we've we've played we we've played this joke several times, but I think we should just leave the episode here. Cause I don't <laughs> <Google anything. laughs> it's just. The Two Minutes About Time theme is performed by Ethan O'Mahony and is a cover of the About Time theme originally composed by Nick Laird Close. Two Minutes About Time is a production of Lemming Drop Studios in association with Bottle O Productions. <laughs> <laughs>